This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And we are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? Dave, I got some toe jam I want to talk about. All right, sure. Sure, sure. Hit me up. What kind of fungus we got? I don't know. What do you think? Do you think most people enjoyed our earwax conversation? There I think were there was some, some definite appreciation. Okay, definite, good. Definite I think we're changing lives. Yeah. No, I mean, the people who've been unlocked by that, like, oh, wow, this is something I can ask for and get, and then it works, and it's awesome. It's great. It is awesome. It is um, awesome. But no, we, let's not talk about bodily fluids. We are your excesses. number one. UCLA sports and medical advice uh, podcast out there in the world. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about today. Basketball, mostly uh, going to do a little bit of football at the very end. Probably not uh, really. Just probably basketball. Mostly basketball. Yeah. Like 97%. It's going to be a short one. It's going to be short and tight. It's going to be a tight show. Um, so UCLA, um, as everyone witnessed last week, they completed yet another road sweep, uh, something I think it took Steve Alford like seven years to do. Was he at UCLA for seven years or did it just feel like it? <laughs> uh, it, it was an eternity. Both the end of the Lavin and the end, the end of the Stevie eras. Yes, uh, the two Steves. I can still remember. I can still remember Greg Hicks. And I can't even remember what game, but it was towards the end. <laughs> it was towards the end of the Lavin era and UCLA's winning some game it should lose and it was one of those critical games that you know if they win it might keep Steve Lavin you know feasibly there a little bit longer and if you you might remember Billy Knight hit a big three in the corner uh-huh. <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't give this away and I'm on the phone with Greg and all <laughs> Greg goes F you, F you, <laughs> oh my God, F you, and he like hands and just hangs up the phone on me. <laughs> oh, the feelings that the Steves have provided us over the years. The Steves, the, 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 the highs and lows, the emotion, the pure emotion. Oh, but we're yeah. not in the Steve era anymore. We're in the Mick era, and uh, UCLA uh, pulled off its second road sweep of the year um beating the two Oregon State or beating the two Oregon schools uh Oregon State on Thursday of last week um it's going to get kind of swept under the rug but just we talked about it uh on Friday but 6247 it should have been like 6238 um and then Oregon on Saturday um the most impressive half they've played since Maryland probably in the second half against the Ducks uh, you did a great um, deep dive on the adjustments Mick Cronin made in the second half, primarily uh, putting Jaime Hawkes in more of a point forward role uh, to take advantage of some mismatches, um, take some pressure off of Tiger. Uh, and Oregon didn't have an answer. UCLA went from down 33-30 at halftime to up uh, 66-48 with and that basically being the end of the meaningful stretches of the game, like Oregon State, the final score ended up closer than the game actually was. Uh, UCLA truly had a blowout in that game and then just took their foot off the gas in the closing minutes. Um, but a huge win, and a huge win for a couple reasons. It uh, obviously puts UCLA in pole position in the Pac-12 once again. They are two games up on everyone. 
Uh, it eliminates another potential contender for an at-large bid in the Pac-12, which is just kind of fun um, and uh, obviously huge for seeding purposes. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that Oregon game, specifically the second half, um, because I really did, and I did a deeper dive than even what I wrote. I, I did every possession, wrote out a description of every, on both sides of the court, because there was so much going on. There was so much that deserved praise. It, it was it was crazy. Um, and I think I'm biased. So then I watched uh, Tennessee, Alabama last night. Did you watch that game? It's bad basketball, man. Wow. It is so bad. So my wife's listening with me. She goes, okay, I'm t- tell me. Tell me what's bad. Uh, just tell me. What, what do you think so bad? So I go, okay, bad shot. Bad decision. Oh, oh, uh, uh, jumping to pass, passing with one hand, going behind your back. I mean, oh my gosh. And just Alabama, just, uh, I mean, they're a talented team. But uh, did they hit a, mid, a mid-range shot in that game? <laughs> I don't think they took one. I don't think I mean, they take it, one. It was, and, it, 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 they're the analytics team. So what they do is... They basically uh, took all the lessons from the last 10 years of basketball analytics. The only things that matter are three-pointers and layups. Don't shoot anything else. Um, and they're the, you know, the, uh, the quintessential version of that, the apotheosis of analytics college basketball. Um, but no, when I watch them, I'm just kind of struck by they don't look all that well coached. They look like they're a, they're, they fit their system. That's for sure. Like, they've got a system, and they stick with it. But, like, the individual play, the fundamentals, just, I don't know. Don't really see it. Ah, God, I I don't see it either. There's so many. Because they are a three-point shooting team, they take what I would deem as a bad three-point shot. Yeah. Uh, A lot of them are not um, in rhythm. They're rushed. They're off balance. I guess their analytics say, I mean, do they have analytics that, you know, actually break down three-point attempts into whether it's a good three-point attempt or not, I would well, think, so because they base their entire offense on it. You would think they would. It's Damn. all volume. It's all volume. So they are 10th in the country in uh, three-point rate. So they take almost half their shots from three-point land. Uh, they make 35%. So they they their percentage of makes is less than UCLA. Like they're not a they're not a particularly great three point shooting team, but they take a ton of them, um, and so that combined with some pretty good defense. I mean, I, I, this is no, they play good defense. They, they do. play good defense, and they've got good athletes. So the, that combination means they're you know, it's not really the offense is just. I think it's actually kind of an eyesore, um, and I don't know that it necessarily. Um, well, it's not as efficient as uh, some of the better, uh, more traditional college offenses. I mean, it's like right there with UCLA's this year, but it's doing it with this kind of absurd high volatility. Because that's the thing. It's really high volatility. There's a real oscillation in performance based on are you going to hit, you know, 12 of your 33s or are you going to hit five of them? Um, and depending on how well you're hitting that day, is really going to dictate whether or not you're playing a close game against a team you shouldn't, getting blown out by Connecticut on a neutral court, giving up 100 to Gonzaga, uh, getting blown out by Oklahoma on the road, or blowing out Vanderbilt by almost 70 points. Like, it's just, there's a real high volatility to that style, and I don't think it marries well with um, tournament basketball at all. That's why I I don't love Alabama as a tournament team, even though they're, you know, analytically a very good team i saw i can't remember it was a while back and we could probably find it but there's a variability uh stat ucla was i think top three or four and that i mean it basically just went how you know how much you score compared to how much scoring you allow uh, throughout your season and how variable it is and ucla is so consistent it it cracks me up too when and I know everyone are fans, but they when UCLA didn't play well and they get, you know, the sky is falling and it's and life is over um, because they get, and mostly is the complaint is about the offense. 
all of you, everyone who thinks UCLA's offense sometimes is not good and you're complaining about it. First off, let me look. 24th adjusted offense, Ken Palm, in, in the country. And it's been higher than that yep. during the season. Um, go look at some other, just watch ESPN from like 4 o'clock until, you know, when it shuts off and watch other college teams play. You will be in horror at the offenses that are on display. Um, and you'll go running back to UCLA's offense and say, ah, oh, I feel better. The second half of Oregon, there were so many good things that happened in that second half. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny because if you're watching uh, Dana Altman, I mean, uh, we, we think Dana Altman's a pretty decent coach overall. Um, but man, he looked like deer in the headlights. Didn't he in that second half? Like he had nothing that he knew what to do. And I mean, it, I was, I thought it was so obvious. Why are you going big? Go small. Put Gary A. Gay A. On, on Hawkes and take Nate Biddle. I mean, I know Nate Biddle can be a matchup, but not in this game. No, they were abusing Biddle. Oh, um, wow. And yeah. it, and that's the thing is it took way too long for him to adjust. Um, and I I don't know Altman might have lost his fastball a little bit. I mean it it seems like only yesterday he was taking over for Ernie Kent, but that was like 13 years ago. Um, Damn, that's a long time. That he's does. been there a while. <laughs> wow. Um, and you know he might just you know be a little bit burnt out on applying the same formula as he's applied it for the last whatever six coaches or seven years. Coaches get that way and they feel I'll just recruit and they in the I don't think they make the decision but they start to get a little bit lazier and they think I'll, the more talent I get the easier it will get for me. And the I, way to look at so Oregon season I mean this is kind of an aside but like the quintessential Altman surge never really happened. Like the, the the idea that they uh, suddenly were playing like a ton better, yeah, a little better. I mean, they were nine and eight on January twelfth before beating Arizona. But since that game on January fourteenth, they still have lost four. I mean, they lost to Stanford in that time. Um, it's not like they went on this like incredible, you know, because they've done that in the past where they'll start the season slow and then suddenly it's Oregon basketball again in January. That never really happened this year. So. I don't know how much of it is, you know, he's just kind of a little bit done. But in this game, I mean, the out coaching in the second half was apparent. Uh, UCLA well, yeah. had a plan, clearly a plan, uh, I think, as you pointed out, that they'd installed before. Like, they knew they were going to maybe use this and then deployed it at the right time. And um, it worked like clockwork. Yeah, because you were within three at halftime. So let's do this now in the second half because then it's going to take them a while to adapt as opposed to using it in the first half where then they counter adapt and make a run back. It, yeah. There were so many good things. <laughs> I can't. And, and if you're talking coaching, it wasn't just the tactics of the game, um, but it was the players and how well coached they are comparatively to Oregon. Will Richardson is a talented player. He's a mess. Total I mean, mess. Will Richardson or Tiger Campbell? Yeah. Tiger Campbell is 5'11". Eh, not a great body. Will Richardson, 6'3"? Is he? 6'3 six, six or 6'4". Six, 6'3", four. Six, three, six, four, A pretty, uh, you know, a point guard, a great sized. Can get a shot guard. off pretty much against anybody. Can get a shot off. And when you watch them play. You watch, and Tiger was missing his shots, but you would say, "Smart play, smart play, good." Will Richardson is, "What are you doing? What yeah. are you? What are you doing? What? Whoa, wait, no, what? Uh, I mean, and he's regressed drastically from last year. Like, and he's a he's a senior. Yeah, uh, he's just, a fifth year guy. Fifth year guy. Um, there's so many guys, like like, and you know, it goes back to. Team full of team that has a lot of transfers and teams that don't. And I, I get I UCLA is going to come around to having to use the transfer portal soon. I'd say maybe this this offseason. Yeah. Um, but man, there's there's something to be said when you're a guy like Mick Cronin, who is a developmental coach, when you can go, okay, so so uh 
a Dembona gets in foul trouble. Uh, Kenuba gets in foul trouble. Usually you'd think, oh, we got 10 to give. Mac Edian comes in. Third string center. Plays fundamentally so well. He did so many things right. Set great screens. Uh, rebounds his area. A good post defender. Gave some nice help. I mean, it's that's phenomenal when you can go three deep in your center and they're not going to hurt you. It's... And I, there's a lot to be said for for having guys in a program for a long time and not just plugging in transfers. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something we've been saying for a long time. Um, and not even just with the transfer portal, but that also applies to a certain number of one-and-dones. Um, continuity, program guys, you want it, you need it. And especially if you're a Mick Cronin guy, um, because Mick Cronin – he knows his strengths, I think. Um, he knows he's a developmental guy. He's said it several times in press conferences, like, oh, that's how we did it at Cincinnati. Yeah, buddy, that's how you're going to do it at UCLA, too. It, basketball doesn't change just because you're at a... Yeah, know. don't fool yourself that you're going to suddenly do it with a bunch of one-and-dones. This, yeah, this is what no, you're doing you, here, too, you buddy. You're a developmental guy, and it, the beauty of UCLA is you can take now consistently top 60 guys and do it, um, but... You don't. You don't need top ten guys. Top need, sixty guys, and then mix in a couple of one and dones every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, it's a. It's it's not a. It's not a rocket science formula. It's the way to do it. And um, then you get a one and done unicorn. Two one and done unicorns, like a Dembona and Amari Bailey. Yeah, so they are right. unicorns. I gotta tell you guys, these two guys. All right, so no, no uh, talking smack about Peyton Watson because he was trying his best and different type of prospect. Yada yada yada. Playing time might have been different. Might have been also, different. There might have been yeah. a lot of things different, but um, clearly uh, Amari Bailey and Adembona, the development they've put in since the start of the season, the trust they already had coming into the season, obviously two guys who were slated to start from day one, so they got the minutes, but the development that they both put in, um, Bailey's defense is... Um, I'm I'm gonna say something here. I know it's a little where you're controversial. Going. I you ready? I almost wrote it, but go ahead. He's the best on ball defender on the team, <sighs> and Jalen Clark is not. Uh, Jalen Clark's a good on ball defender, but he loses attention. Amari Bailey, he's got a little bulldog in him. That's what's so amazing too. They are starting to put Amari Bailey on the the opponent's best uh, guy, uh, and he's off shutting the him down. And, and and that's the funniest thing. <laughs> Last night at halftime of Tennessee, Alabama, they're talking about guys, you know, these little awards, and they're mentioning all this. And they're going, Jalen Clark, UCLA, best defender in the country. <laughs> Might not be the best defender on his team. Okay, so here's the thing with Clark. The anticipation stuff is still freaky. Yeah, I mean, like those he's, two he's deflections. an incredible defender. Yeah, Let's yeah. Just say. We're not but just... on ball, on ball, Amari Bailey, I think, is superior right now. And it still doesn't look like completely that Amari Bailey has let loose yet. Like he's still playing a little tentative a bit. Uh, he's he's a little bit liberated now compared to what he was. At, but I still think there's a little bit more uh, upside here by the end of March. And he's so confident. The body control plays on defense too. Like – the things he does that, like, other guys just won't do because they're worried about drawing a foul. But, like, Bailey is just playing with his left arm extended with his hand in the other guy's face, basically his entire defensive possession. Do you know how annoying that would be as an offensive player with a guy's hand just, like, inches from your nose? For, and like, why a he's able to do that, if, you know, if you've played basketball or you know basketball, if you do that, you're setting yourself up to be really off balance. Yeah, and get so, and draw and you'll be you'll you'll foul. You'll foul. But he has incredible body control. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so so uh, yeah, I mean, you put him on the opponent's best perimeter offensive player, and then you oh wow, sorry, we still got Jalen Clark. Yeah. And then we can bring in Dylan Andrews, who's going well, it, to be the best defender over the <laughs> that well, UCLA the has is, for the next three years. Because if you've got Bailey and Andrews who can play that kind of fiery defense, and I think you got to have one of them in at all times, as your on-ball pest, like the guy who's just going to annoy the crap out of the guy who has the ball, Jalen Clark's the best off-ball defender in college basketball. And Jaime Hawkes is a pretty good off-ball defender in college basketball. Yeah, um, he is. He's so, playing some of his best 
well, some of his best ball this last weekend, but some of his best defense too. Absolutely. And yep. that's when this thing goes to another level. When you have somebody else providing that sick on ball defense and those two guys can just be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like I'm not watching. I'm gonna use the third eye that I have in the back of my head, and I'm gonna watch for that ball when it's coming into my passing lane, and then I'm just gonna go get it and and dunk it. Um, but we're forgetting a guy. David Singleton is a really <laughs> good defender now. The freaky thing he's doing, like 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 he's all conference defender he's, level. He's playing he's playing strong post defense in the paint. Yeah, it's so fun. He got matched up on big guys, and I sometimes I've just even though obviously UCLA fan, well, you say I'm all why aren't they feeding? Why <laughs> you got a mismatch, <laughs> and they don't. Feed. But David Singleton in that game, and it was I think I wrote about it. So he got two tie ups. Yep. If again tie ups aren't easy, you've got you got to know who's got the ball, who you're tying up. Got to avoid a foul. You got to avoid a foul, and you've got to time it right. If you just jump over there, nah, that's bad. When he tied up Dante, he waited for – okay, so first off, Ken Nwuba played it perfectly. Yep. Caught the ball high, Dante. He sags off him, gives him room. So that makes Dante think, oh, I'm going to go to the basket now. (laughs) So it just teased him into it. Singleton's waiting. He hasn't come over yet. Dante puts the ball on the floor. Now Singleton is comes out of the weeds. <laughs> and it's perfectly orchestrated. That yeah. takes a lot. That's a lot of coaching that goes in. David Singleton couldn't do that as a freshman. Ken Nuuba wouldn't know how to do that when he was. This is a lot of coaching. Yeah. And he did it twice. And he did it twice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it was really just like all parts. Um, and that was why it was like just such a fun second half because it was, it was, you know, team stuff going on, but then like these individual just kind of surges, um, you know, Singleton, he bombed that three that put him up kind of permanently 39, 37. Then he comes down and and steals the ball away. Um, then you had the Jaime Jaquez just absolute (laughs) crushing offensive stretch, where he banged home the two threes. Uh, I like the steal and Will Richardson trying to bump him. Yes. <laughs> so get away from me, you little flea. Yeah, like a two-handed steal. Um, yeah. And uh, and then Jalen Clark taking over with those uh, that, that offensive cra- rebound cra- and that crazy deflection where he's he's kind of like flying onto the low block to get it from behind um, uh, the post entry pass. Um, but there, yeah, the offensive rebound put back, um, just you know, again, kind of the the freaky around the ball stuff that he can do. Um, but it was just, I mean, it was kind of the the that half is what UCLA can be without, you know, everyone played pretty well. I mean, it was a pretty good half, but like that's not a huge stretch for UCLA to play like that. It wasn't like guys were playing out of their minds in a way that they can't play. Jaime didn't shoot like a great percentage in this game. Um, nobody really did. Um, but they played really, really, really good defense. And I think if you listen to Mick's interviews this week, I think he's he's very much rounding into, we've got a really good team. I just got to keep him healthy. He's laughing and smiling. They're only up by seven, and he's joking with the ref. Right. I think he recognizes I rewound what he has that here. and watched that four times. Yeah. And I would just like everyone to, I would invite everyone to return to October when he said, I don't know if we're going to be that good defensively. (laughs) eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And and here's the thing. They play Stanford tonight. Um, they could lose. Stanford's playing better. Stanford has some talent. They're not well coached, but occasionally they put it together. And it's all about matchups. Stanford's a big team. Uh, shoots the, they shoot the ball pretty well. It, it's it, You can coach really well. You can have a really good game prep. And even your players can play pretty well. Or they just they can't shoot one night. Uh, I mean, things happen. So... You know, if UCLA doesn't win a national championship, don't come back and say, you guys blew them up so big. We're just saying, of course they can play poorly. Of course there can be some bad luck. And also, all of course, we're, I just want to say, all we're saying is to singularly enjoy that half against Oregon because it's so rare. Well, to I'll, watch broaden, that. I'll broaden it a little bit because, yes, enjoy that half, but very much enjoy this season. Um, yeah. Because, look, we all got a little bit concerned when they lost back-to-back to Arizona and USC, particularly with the USC game where they just they didn't have it. They didn't have the juice. They didn't have the energy. They weren't playing great defense, the whole thing. That was a bad loss, um, not because they lost the USC on the road, but because of how it happened, okay? We can all take that and say it, but just look at the season. Um, look at some of the games they've played already. So you've got the second half against Oregon. You've also got that entire Oregon State game, which, yeah, the opponent, but that was beautiful basketball, yep. that entire game. You've got Maryland, which was the most dominant performance from a UCLA team in recent memory. Um, you know, Lonzo Ball year, they had some some games, but that against a quality opponent on the road, win by 27, and that was with some late-game surge from Maryland. Incredible game. Um I mean, they had a 14-game winning streak at one point. There's a lot about this season that I think should just be appreciated as its own thing. UCLA, barring a complete collapse here, is going to win its first regular season conference championship since, I think, 2013. Um, that's uh, This is something to be appreciated in and of itself. This is the culmination for a lot of guys who are going to be gone next year, uh, more than likely. Uh, Jaime Hawkes being the primary one. Um, but it's, I mean, this is, this is, this is like what you should, uh, this is what I think anybody would have wanted to see out of Mick Cronin in his fourth year at UCLA is an elite, elite UCLA team that has been basically thought of as a top five team since mid December at the latest by any analytics system. Um, and is starting to get that even from the jokers in the AP poll, um, this is a really, really, really elite UCLA team. Will it win but, a national championship? Maybe, maybe not. But really damn good and fun to watch. Yeah, see, but there's a couple of things with that. A really, really good team. They are. They're a great team. Not greatly talented. That's why those jokers in the AP who, who just look at the talent on a team. I mean, you watch uh, Alabama. <laughs> damn, there are some guys, right? I mean... Yeah. You look at UCLA, you go, nah. I mean, a Dembona, you know, he's a really freaky athlete. Then after that, no one really jumps off. No, the only guy who actually really, really jumps off is Dylan Andrews, and he's playing like four minutes a game. Yeah. So you watch a game, and then you see them systematically kind of blow someone out. They don't come down and hit four transition threes, and suddenly they're up by 18. It's workmanlike when they get to ahead by 22 points. Yep. So uh, commentators and, and other people who just casually watch basketball don't get all the nuances and the subtleties of how good of a team it is as opposed to how talented all the players are. They are by far better uh, than the uh, some of their parts, by far. Um, and I got to say, I, I, every team... Every good team usually has something that happens to them during the season that really retrenches them. Um, I think losing those two games and the way they lost them 
against um, USC and Arizona. They really lost them in the second half where they just lost energy, lost a spark. Uh, everything was lost. As you've noticed since then, the second halves, they've surged. Um, that might be very key um, that they've done that and they realize, oh yeah, we can't just coast even if we're up by 18. We, we can't coast. We got to make sure we just put this away. So I think in the long run, those two games <laughs> might really be, wow, something that was so valuable for this season. Um, yep. There's so much stuff, but I, yeah, I, I, I really know if they lose in the Elite Eight or something and uh, everyone on Bro's going, yeah, they just weren't that talented. Yeah, you're right. They weren't that talented. They were just, a, this is a really good team that could win a national championship because there's a really good team. And if they do, they're going to beat teams that are a lot more talented than they are. They just play better basketball though. And you guys are spoiled. Go watch, go, uh, not like Tennessee and Alabama. Those are two pretty good teams. Go watch Duke and North Carolina. Wow, dude. There's some bad basketball being played. So Yeah, and guys, guys, go seriously, go watch Duke. Because, like, okay, John Shire, probably not a good coach. Let's just be real. But, like, when you're talking about UCLA recruiting and you're, like, pissed about, like, not getting enough one-and-dones or whatever, go watch that goddamn team. It is not enjoyable. Like, they're, they're, it's just a chore to watch Duke play basketball. And they've got, like, it's six It's not one- a chore for me. It's that, enjoyable Yeah, but, as like, hell. If, you, if you, if you, like, again, if, if you had any, like, oh, I want Duke to look good, it's it's disgusting. They're, like, the, they're got, not the Duke Blue Devils. They're the Duke Schadenfreude for me. Yeah, and they've got, what, like, four one-and-dones? Or four theoretical one-and-dones, I should say. Five. Yeah, five. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're not good. Um yeah, so UCLA um, heading into this final stretch. So it's tonight, it's Stanford. Uh, Saturday, it's um, one of the lesser UCs. I'm not sure. Is it – what is it? It's not UC Davis. It's not It's not Riverside. They're pretty good. Um, I, think it's, I think it's UCB. Which one's it's that? Some, it's some school that UCLA has to supplement, I believe. Yeah, it's like one of those new schools, I think. <laughs> Like one of the, the new campuses. I should not discourage to... Cal. Cal is still. Don't forget my family history. So. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, they're bad. They're so bad. They've lost to. And UC... you know what? Some people called you out, I and care. I kind of agree. I don't care. They're okay. they're actual feces, Tracy. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um. So California. Uh. On Ken Palm, you want to know? You want to know what the percentage likelihood is, is that UCLA wins that game? Uh, 94%. 99. 99. Wow. Crazy. They have a 1 in 100 shot of winning that game. Um, so it's that this week. So um, UCLA should win both. Um, yes, as Tracy put out, uh, Stanford has more talent uh, than Cal. Uh, so there's some threat there. But Stanford's a very different team on the road than they are at home. Uh, they have won one true road game this year. Um, so yeah, uh, UCLA should win tonight, should beat Cal. And then it's another tough road trip at the mountain schools, uh, at Utah, at Colorado. And then the Arizona's at home. Uh, again, UCLA has a two game lead in the league. Uh, they could afford a loss to Arizona and sweep the rest and win the league. They could afford two losses and beat Arizona and win the league. There is a lot of room to work with here, uh, but just go ahead and win out. That's the way to ensure things do you know what let's just do this let's look at ken ken palm you know the ucs that are ahead oh you're getting into it now yeah yeah well because i just started looking up ken palm and all i did was search uc yes uc davis is a better team um oh yeah by far uc davis is way ahead riverside's Uh, way ahead riverside's way ahead um then then also do this dave search cal and yeah. you know you know what you get first? You get Cal State's ahead of uh, our good friend. N- not only Cal State's, you get Cal Baptist. Yeah. UC Irvine ranked in the top 100 in Ken Palm. Cal Baptist is 150. Yeah, baby. Cal Poly is, oh, they're behind them. Hey, hey, they're better than Cal Poly. Isn't that nice? Dang. 
they're, they're better than fifty-eight. Who are they better than? Bakersfield. They're better than Cal State Bakersfield. There you go. And Cal Poly and Cal State Northridge. Sac State's better than them. Wow. Uh, Did you read that article? Um, I think it was in the Athletic about what they're dealing with in terms of budgets and no. practice facilities and planes and charters. No, I mean they should just fold their program. Um, no, they, it's not a Pac-12 program if you go by that. I mean no. they are literally having to share the practice facility with you know every other uh, uh, program that uses an arena. Yeah, no, it's like it's like stories you hear about UCLA athletics from the 1950s. Yeah, it was like it was like uh, John Wooden, you know, getting kicked out of a gym of the. Men's gym. It's almost like uh, you shouldn't um, uh, fund your stadium renovation based on like snake oil sales. If anyone could do the research and find out who at Cal is responsible for financing Memorial Stadium's renovation. Yeah, that, bad program. Bad program, poorly run. Uh, they should just fold it. Um, but anyway, uh, Cal's the Saturday opponent. Stanford's tonight. Uh so, talking about all of that, uh, Tracy, we should probably briefly touch on kind of what this might look like um, heading into next season, uh, because I think everyone should appreciate what UCLA is right now, because there's a chance it looks vastly different next year. There's a chance a lot of these guys return, but there's a chance it looks vastly different next year. Like, there could be as <laughs> many as, like, say vastly there could be as many as what seven open scholarships, eight. Um. Well, are we counting guys that are already committed? Oh, right. No, 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 we're not. So if we if we count those guys into the thing, but like looking at the roster right now. All right. So let's just go through who could leave. Jaime, I would say it's a pretty much. I mean, done deal. Remember, I just wrote this story, so you can use that as a reference. Yeah, last totally. week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But come on. Okay. Just tell me. Just tell me. All right. Tiger, where, where do you stand right now, Tracy? Um, I, I, there are people around the program that think he's returning. I'll just say that. I'm going to go on vibes alone. I don't think he's returning. Okay, let's do that. All right, so that's two guys that I think Yeah, but this don't is... even count. Don't even count Jaime. Jaime's gone. There are five guys. Throw right. out Jaime. There's five guys. So Tiger Campbell, let's go on your gut. He's gone. Yeah, then there's Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark. Who I say should stay. That uh, just so you know, no matter how smart you are, Dave, and how smart we all are, and even how smart the people are that are talking to them, that are consulting with them, the people who usually make decisions on this just kind of are doing it up for other reasons. Totally. Yeah. I, I think end of day, he's going to have the ability to uh, maybe be a second rounder or something. Um, and you know, whatever, make decisions, make decisions. I think from, from a logical standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big player guy. Um, so I generally believe, you know, if you can go make some money, go make some money. Um, Clark fits the profile of a guy who would really, really do well with another year of very good development at the college level where he's playing a ton of minutes. Um, and I think, he can get that at UCLA where he can also get some a little bit because he's getting a little bit of national publicity. Now next year, if you, if you subtract Hawkes and Campbell um, and we won't even get to the guys next, but if you just subtract those two, Jalen Clark's going to be number one option, number two option somewhere in that range offensively. And he's going to be once again, talked about as the defensive player of the year, but you could see a similar, push to make him an all-american candidate next year that you just saw for Jaime Hawkes. I mean, if you're trying to make rational sense on why he should come back, I mean, all he's got to do is look over on the floor and look at Jaime Hawkes and say, "Oh, okay, pretty good reason that I should come back." Because I think he'll be the number one offensive option. He'll he'll probably work on his jump shot in the offseason. He'll probably shoot 37% next year or something from 3. Yeah. And if he had a shot right now, I think he'd probably be, you know, end of the first round draft pick. And he no doesn't. Doubt. So, yep. but that's all rational 
um, and, uh, yeah, consideration. And totally, and, and totally. There might be, there's other elements at play, obviously. He so. was just, uh, The Athletic came out with a mock draft and he was picked second round. I think that's the first time I've seen him in a mock draft. Yeah, so there was another thing that's going on with Jalen Clark that I think everyone's going to be updating their priors going into the end of the season because Jalen Clark was like a meteor at the beginning of the season um, where people were like, whoa, where the hell did this guy come from? And they started talking about him as a first-rounder. Um, he's dropped off, and I think if people start you know, putting on the film from the last month, they might say, oh, yeah, still a nice prospect, but he's not a first-rounder. Um I mean, the way he's been missing from two point, it's hard to, I think, look at him and say, oh, yeah, that that that, that plays. Um, but anyway, that's all rational discussion. You're right. It's it, it may not end up being a purely uh, rational choice or it might end up being a bit more about other factors than necessarily. I'll, I'll tell you, because I've watched the irrational, the process of irrational decisions. If UCLA goes to the final four and he gets a lot of press um, that uh, for smarter heads in the NBA, that might not change his draft stock, um, but it will. It could change the people around him and his own opinion of whether he's ready for the NBA. Right. I, I think if UCLA does really well in the tournament, um, Final Four, maybe even Elite Eight, I think Jalen. They're all going to go and test the waters. Uh, yeah. All as in. Uh, Jalen Clark, Mari Bailey, uh, Adembona. Um, and then the, Jalen, a uh, Jen, what's that? No, go ahead. Yeah. I think Jalen Clark would stay then. Yeah. In, in the draft, I'm saying. We'll stay right. in the draft if UCLA does really well in the tournament. Just that feeling, that momentum. And then the, also the feeling is I've done it. I've done what I can in college basketball. I need a new experience. I, all of that. But yeah. they get, I've seen it. They get a little bit diluted by all the press they're getting by how good of a run they made or their team made in the NSA tournament. And they can't really detach it really from a rational decision over the draft. So I bet he would go. Um, I think a Dembona is probably going to get into uh, uh, the NBA camp, uh, draft camp. And I think he's going to flash freaky athleticism. He's going. So here's the thing: is if you guys remember what Bona was being talked about from like the 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 program heading into the season, it was like hushed tones about like like they just experienced something religious at some level. Um, he's a good player, and we're all watching him develop in real time, and it's a lot of fun to watch. I think he's an insane workout guy. Like I think if you're watching him in one of these like. NBA workouts with a team, I think you're going to be like, oh my God, this guy's incredible. He's only going to help himself with the interviews and all that kind of stuff. And his, like when you watch him in person, you're just going to be like, oh, okay. He's going to be like a 15 year all-star or whatever. Um, and maybe that never shows up on the court, but I think he's, yes. I mean, to your point, once he gets into the process, it's going to be hard not to. And, and you know, the thing is to, you say, oh, you know, what is he in the NBA? Why would someone draft him? He's a freak athlete. Watch the NBA again. And I know we all have higher expectations on what is an NBA player, but watch the NBA. There's a lot of guys in the NBA who, eh, they're role players. They, they're they not that – Adem Bona would still be a freak of an athlete in the NBA. Um, and here's what I'd say about Adem Bona, um, and this is this is my, like, strong projection – uh, his free throw stroke right now is pretty good. Um, it's going to get better. Um, he's going to be a better shooter from three from from the free throw line. Eventually, I'm going to say five or six years from now, he's going to be doing that Channing Fry thing where he suddenly becomes a three point shooter in in the NBA. Ooh, dang! Write that down, people. Yeah, he's he's going to put be it down. on your phone because to everyone's point, he's not a he's not a uh, ideal sized like every single play be a be a center except in some small ball systems but he's uh, that shooting stroke is nice like it's it's pretty good he's 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 going to be shooting the ball so um i'm just i mean this is completely silly because so much is going to be based on things that haven't happened yet but let's i i'm kind of 
foreseeing what I think will happen with UCLA season. I think UCLA probably finishes pretty well, has a good NCAA tournament. I think that makes Jalen Clark keep his name in the draft. And I think Adem Bono will impress so much with this athleticism, his motor, his personality, his uh, um, penchant for getting better, his ability, his desire to get better. It's going to blow away NBA guys. And he's going to be such a breath of fresh air. I think he will get, he will stay in because he'll get a strong enough indication that he's late first round, probably. Um, Amari Bailey will probably go to the camps will not blow anyone away with anything. There's not going to be something. His athleticism isn't going to blow anyone away. His shooting won't blow away anyone. I I think he will probably get um, feedback that you should go back to school. Um, you know, every kid has some irrational people around him, but Amari Bailey is a very grounded kid who makes smart. I mean, he decided to, Play. He's a five-star guy. Who decided to play at UCLA under Mick Cronin. Um, I, I think this is my guess. What's the date today? The sixteenth of February. I would bet at this moment, and you can't hold me for this. You can't hold this to me in March because things are going to change. But I would say Amari Bailey returns. So um, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the because he's going to be a point guard first. Yeah. He, he will be a point guard in the NBA. His whole point guard game is not there yet yeah and and to be totally clear i i 100 agree with you um and that should be um what happens now obviously elements the whole thing but that should be what happens um looking at next year then so let's just subtract who you're talking about let's say ucla does have a good run in the ncaa tournament Hawkes, campbell clark bona and singleton are all gone yes so that's four of the or five of the top six rotation. So next year, if you're sussing out that roster, you're going to have Amari Bailey, potentially, uh, and Dylan Andrews, who's going to be, you know, uh, uh, penciled in with, like, really strong pressure uh, as the point guard. Um, and, and let's just stop right there for a minute. So when you think about Tiger Campbell returning every year for the last, what has it been, seven years? I think um, seven or eight years. You get excited, but you don't say, wow, he's going to be... You're, you're excited because you know that's a solid, really good player who's on UCLA's team. But you're not... You don't have that excitement of how much better Tiger Campbell's going to get. Thinking about Dylan Andrews and Amari Bailey next year, you can really kind of fantasize about how much better those two are going to get yep. and how good of a backcourt UCLA could have. Yeah, and... Now, here's the thing is that when you're doing that and you're thinking about, okay, those two guys, yeah. And then who else starts? Oh, I have no idea. Um, that's where when we were talking earlier about transfer portal, probably going to have to happen this offseason. Um, but let's just back up a little. I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning towards Jalen Clark going, but I I, I could I, I wouldn't I'd, I'd say 50 50 in my mind right now. I'm doing that kind of scenario, but I, I think he could really come back too. Well, so let's the, just do this whole thing possibly with Jalen Clark coming back. So you got Dylan Andrews, Amari Bailey, and Jalen Clark. And that's truly the linchpin because if you get Clark coming back along with Bailey and Andrews, that's a core on the wing and at the guard spots that – so UCLA is, I, I think, unless they really reload in the transfer portal or in the international markets, both of which could happen – there, it's going to be a step back next year. It's not. It shouldn't be a miss the tournament year. Um, oh, oh, okay. I'm I'm way different than you. Then what? What do you think? Um, I think that uh, let's just say these are the guys that return. You got Dylan Andrews, Mari Bailey. You know, fifty fifty. Jalen Clark. Uh, I would bet Ken Nawuba comes back. Now, oh, yeah, while, yeah. Where, while y'all might think that doesn't mean anything, it really does. Yeah, where's <laughs> he know, Six-year guy who is a really solid guy you can go to coming off the bench for 13, 14 minutes a game, and he plays exactly the way you want him to play. And his offense might get a little bit better. Um, Mac Edian, we'll see in the off... Uh, coming off the bench, solid. I think he's shown that he's solid off the bench so far this year is what he's shown. A year later... 
a year more removed from his knee, uh, in better shape. I'm going to say just one thing really quick about Mac Etienne. Sure. That's again, talking about something that Mick Cronin was talking about in October. Um, and maybe something that you're going to bring up right now. And I'll argue with you about <laughs> no, no way in hell ever is that guy playing the four at the college level. No, no, no. no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, no, cool, no. Cool, cool. cool. Um, then, uh, I'll be really interested to see a Bramo Zonka in a yep. year. I think he's flashing is probably a really good word for him, but uh, flashing means you play 15 minutes and you make a couple of good plays just about every time he's out there in his four minutes, he's doing something, a couple yeah, of flashes gain, gain like 15 pounds though. Yeah. Which he's, he played in a, on a Russian <laughs> league out in the middle of nowhere with no budget. This is the very first time he's probably even seen a decent weight room. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll say uh, Abramo Zonka might be the guy who looks most different next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm pretty confident Will McClendon is going to be the future David Singleton, but better. I don't know if it happens next year, but it will. And we can argue about that timeline and when that happens. Um, so that's your core. Then you got um, the three freshmen who are already committed. That's Sebastian Mack, who will probably be able to help about the way that Will McClendon's helping this year, probably supply that kind of um, uh, minutes. Uh, you've got Brandon Williams, who's a develop, developmental power forward, 6'7 to 6'8". Um, in an ideal world, he's probably not playing that much next year. And then you got Devin Williams, who is also a developmental center, um, who also in an ideal world isn't playing next year. So that leaves open really the big hole is at that wing forward where Jaime Jaquez is and in the post. I would be very confident, and I'm not just purely speculating, that UCLA will have a really good chance to find some talent at at least one of those spots. Do you know what I'm saying, Dave? I know what you're saying, crazy. Okay. So, and then there is Marcus Adams, who uh, he would be, if, if he does come in 2023, um, he's from Harbor City, Narbonne, uh, 6'8", really skilled, can shoot it, can score inside, outside, Um Really talented kid. Uh, he could be in 2024, or if everything works out with his grades, he could be 2023. Most of the people recruiting him, I think UCLA including, is hope are hoping that he qualifies now and comes in for this fall. He'd have a bigger chance of playing. He could be a freshman that could step in and play. Um, interesting about his recruitment, he... Um, he was a uh, lot more schools are on him. He had a list of five. Now he's talking about more. He, he first said he was going to commit within a month. Then he said within a few months. And now he has a stress fracture in his foot. His season's over. He will be able to probably officially visit UCLA. I can't see UCLA uh, hosting an official visit during the season. Just not. I mean, they did it with uh, Dan Thomas only because he says – He's probably going to commit soon. I see Marcus Adams probably visiting UCLA maybe as soon as their their season is over. But he's a real possibility. I've heard some good buzz lately about UCLA and him. Um, I'm just laying the landscape on who will be available. But if they have Dylan Andrews, Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark – Abramo Zonka, Will McGlendon, Sebastian Mack, and that's those are the how many is that six guys um, that are manning those three positions, and Nawuba and Etienne, who are potentially the role player centers. UCLA is really between international and maybe Marcus Adams and transfer. There's not that. They're, I'm saying don't panic about filling those holes. I think UCLA will have plenty of 
very talented guys options that they will be able to bring in for next season at that wing forward and post spot. So you 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 vehemently disagreed with my assessment that they would take a step back, but maybe not into uh, missing the tournament land. You, what are you saying? I'm saying that they are probably Reloading, not a not top rebuilding. five team, but I would say they are at least a Sweet Sixteen team. If they yeah. have Jalen Clark is the linchpin, like you said. Yeah, I that's so my yeah I I can see it. It's just you're losing. When you lose Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, you're losing so much of and David Singleton. Uh, you're losing so much of their scoring, and you're trying to replace it with Jalen Clark, who you know, developing scorer, Amari Bailey, um, who you know, I can see it. I can see him suddenly going to like 16 or 17 points a game, uh, and then Dylan Andrews, who. You know, can he do what Tiger Campbell does? So, yeah, I mean, it, it just requires a quite a bit of projection. Um, whereas, yeah, but questionable to make the tournament? No, 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 oh, okay. no, no, no. Okay, I, I just want to clarify I because I, I thought the that's floor. Which... The floor is at least making the tournament. Okay, um, the, there we go. And I think that you would still have a ceiling. Kind of depends on who they end up getting. Um, but it's just there's so many unknowns, so many variables with a team that's constructed that way uh, that it's hard to say. Because this year, going into the year, we're like, yeah, they're going to be really good. No duh. Last year, we're like, yeah, they're going to be really good. No duh. Uh, next year, I don't think it's a no duh. Yeah, it's um, an, it's a no, no duh. Yeah. So anyway, so that's basketball. Uh, do we want to update them at all on uh, defensive coordinator search? Um, I mean, we broke the news that it's likely Bill McGovern will not be back. And it was mostly just characterizing as likely because it hadn't been finalized. That was last week. It will, I, I haven't heard anything that would deter me from thinking that it's still going to happen, but it is a, it is a process. Um, you all should be grateful that this moved this quickly given the UC system. We saw, what was it, the Cal swim coach? Yep. That took nine months. Um, so uh, not, not comparing the situations, it's just saying these things take are, you know, like glaciers here, um, the way they move. So, uh, but I, I would believe if there is a new defense coordinator, he will be in place for sp- spring practice and – even just as importantly, the spring opening of the transfer portal window. So still still very confident that's all happening. I'm not still prepared to release any names. I think it just want to completely shore that up a little uh, before I would release any names. But, you know, entertain some big names in your mind because, you know, possibilities out there, right? Entertain them in your mind, everyone. Yes. Don't speak of them. No, speak of nothing. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else really in football. There's I mean, nothing. They've, uh, after Keanu Williams finally got his rating, so UCLA's seventh uh, recruiting transfer class and 24th overall. Honestly, that's the kind of talent that if you got good coaching, you can, you can win the Pac-12 with that. Um, so in other words... No excuse. <laughs> yeah, they're they're getting the a talent enough in recruiting between high school and the transfer portal. Yep, you can definitely do that. Um, so it's all set. Good defensive coordinator. Plug in a few more talented bodies of defense. Um, go to town. Go to town. I know you're confident about the offense. Yeah, I am. Um, I think they've got enough pieces. Uh, I think with. Uh, Dante Moore, more than likely winning the starting spot. I know your whole Colin Schley thing, but I think it, you know, come on, let's be real. Um, There's there's many, many reasons why Dante Moore is going to have a leg up in that competition. Um, But many, many, many reasons. Um, I'm just excited to watch TJ Harden and Carson Steele as kind of a one-two thing. Yeah, that's going to be fun. 
but like you've got that. Um, oh, and not to mention Anthony Adkins coming in playing some fullback or H back maybe. Um, so th- there's a lot to like offensively. I mean, the receiver room, uh, that top two might be, you know, right up there with the best they've had in the last 20 years. Um, there's just a ton to like, and I think they reloaded enough on the offensive line that, you know, you don't have to point at that as like a potential real eyesore. I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> it's an eyesore. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. all things considered, that offense is going to be pretty good. Now just uh, produce a defense and uh, we can all enjoy a football season without uh, too much um, carrying on and histrionics. So should should they, should y'all be a little bit, should they be a little bit scared about Stanford tonight, Dave? No, zero. Okay. Okay. Look, if they lose to Stanford, it's because of uh, unknowable circumstances. But um, what they did to Stanford is still totally possible against this current iteration of Stanford, where they just pressed them into oblivion to start the game. Like it was seventeen nothing, and the reason it was seventeen nothing is because they couldn't get the ball up. Uh, they can do that again to Stanford. Not a particularly well coached team, um, and while they have some talent, it's not. We, it's not like Oregon talent. It's not that level of talent. It's they've got some guys who have some skill who can do some things, but they're not like world class athletes that are going to make you know Jaime Hawkes cry on the interior. Like they're UCLA should be able to play its game and win by twenty. Okay. So, all right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruno Port Online, and we'll talk to you again next time. See you tonight at Poly. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.